Right, good evening everyone. Welcome back to the ME7 podcast. The season is long over in terms of uh, Jill's playoffs obviously to come this weekend for the right to get out of League 2 between Carlisle and uh, Stockport County. But in terms of Jill's, the season is very much over and we can start looking forward to the summer. One bit of business already done, of course, with the return of Conor Masterson and we'll... Uh, We'll get on talking about him in just a second, along with a lot of other transfer targets. I'm delighted to be joined by the EFL expert himself, Mr. Gab Sutton. Uh, while we wait for Gabe, we'll just uh, give you an overview of what's uh, what's going to come in tonight's episode. So basically, myself and Gabe, we've uh, picked out a few transfer targets that we think are going to be fairly, fairly possible for the jewels. We're not going too overboard with uh, you know getting too ahead of ourselves, if you like, put it that way. We're going to be talking about some targets that we think are quite obtainable for the Jules this summer. Obviously, it's key to remember we're shopping in a different market these days, isn't it? I mean, you think back to last year, the players we had to sign due to the budget and constraints in that sense. And thankfully, now we are in a in a different boat. And uh, yeah, we can start looking at different targets, which can be you know players that perhaps we wouldn't have thought we'd be able to get anywhere near last season, given the, given the issues with the budget, etc. But um yeah, we are now in a, in a different market under the Gallinson, so obviously there's a, a lot more reasons to be optimistic this summer. Gabe, are you, are you with us now? Hi, how are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I think we had some technical difficulties there, but um, yeah, good to have, have a chat. We've not had one for a while, have we? So looking looking forward to this. No, especially because the last one we had, I think, was um before, it may even have been before the Gallinson's takeover was even announced, and obviously it yeah, was... Yeah, I think you might be right about that. was a fair to say, a very different atmosphere around the club back at that point, but um, things looking a lot more rosy now in the Garden of England. So, um, yeah, Gabe, before we get on to individual targets, we'll, we'll have a brief overview of the one signing we already have made, and obviously it was a, a very important one, one that a player that Jill's fans had on the top of their shop in this, uh, this summer, obviously, after two brilliant loan spells, and that was that was Conor Masterson. The news broke um, a couple of weeks ago now that he'd signed a permanent deal. Just before that, it was revealed that there was interest from other clubs. Exeter, I know when uh, fans have been asking you to do your five picks for their club, I know you mentioned Conor in relation to, I think it was uh, Charlton at the time. But um, yeah, how, how much of a statement of intent do you think that is, considering he's, you know, all Jules fans will tell you he's a League One level centre-half, but we've managed to tie him down. Yeah, well, League One level and uh, probably championship potential, I think you could say as well, Owen. So I think that's a real um, a real statement of intent, a great start to the summer. And listen, you want to sign new and exciting players, but I think if you've got someone who is a key part of the form that you found in the second half of the season, um, not to mention even you could argue the rally to near survival in League One uh, last season, um, I think it's a great start to the summer. So uh, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, Connor obviously will be with us next year. Someone that was, you know, bombarded with um, questions at the Player of the Year Award. This event from from me and myself after a few drinks, basically on my knees begging him to stay. <laughs> Thankfully, he's, he's given him maybe more to annoyance than, uh, than anything else. So, uh, yeah, as I said, we're going to go through some uh, transfer targets. Uh, Gabe, should, should I kick us off or do you want to take the first one? No, you go for it, mate. Okay, my first one I'm got, I've selected is... One that's uh, come about in the last few days following a championship side's retained list, and that is left-back Scott Malone. Now, Scott Malone, mm. championship player, played a lot of games for Mill this year, was playing in the Premier League back in 2018. Um, you know, part of it is, you know, it's undoubtedly down to the Millwall connection, the Harris connection, as we've seen with a few signings we've already made, the likes of Ben Thompson, 
Aidan O'Brien and, you know, the Millwall links with, with Neil is, is quite poignant in Jules at the minute. But I like to think that Scott Malone at the age of 32 is a fullback. Is Maybe there's potential there for him to maybe want to drop down at a couple of levels, play with Neil and get that reunion back again. I like to think of it as a, a quite realistic opportunity, really. It brings a lot of experience to a team that want to be going towards the top end of the division. You've got the know-how. He knows the manager. I think it fits like a glove game. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think he's been a pretty solid, dependable, consistent player. And that's for Millwall in the uh, in the championship over the last few years. Maybe getting to the point where, you know, he probably doesn't rank above, among the, the championship's better left-backs because there's younger and fitter and possibly more, uh, more technical um, left-backs out there. But I think um, he's not sort of into his mid-30s yet, I don't think. I think he's still sort of early 30s. So I still think that he's going to have... Have um, the fitness required to um, uh, to be one of the better, best, even left backs in uh, in League Two. Um, certainly played for Millwall foot before. I don't know if he coincided with uh, with Harris, but um, certainly I think uh, the the performances that he's produced in the Championship uh, mean he'd be a, a really a real statement signing in League Two. Yes, left back certainly been a position we've needed to address for quite a while now. Obviously, we have David Atonda is still in contract negotiations. Um, he's mm. someone who's. Mm. Would you would you want to upgrade on Tonda? Do you think, Owen? Uh, I've always said with Dave, I've, I've, my preference is the same with Alex McDonald as well. If, you know, if you believe what you see on rumor mill on Twitter, he could well be off to either Stevenage or Doncaster, as was revealed yesterday. But with Dave, I've mm. always thought. The problem with him is one week you can get someone who looks like he can be the best left back in the division and the next week you can get someone who looks like they could be the worst. And we actually had a fans forum not long oh. ago where uh, Harris has asked about Dave Tonda. He said, well, you, you never know what you're going to get. One week it could be Dave Tonda and next week it could be Donald Tonda. And mm. I think that's the problem with Dave. He's been here two years and we're still questioning quite consistently, does he have that consistency on the pitch to be... The type of player you can rely on for a whole season, I think. Unfortunately for Dave, I think the answer is probably no on that one. But I think he's is he good enough defensively as well? I think that's probably the other question. No, I don't think he is. I think as as in a five as a wing back, I think he's more comfortable, and I think that's probably where it suits him best. But I don't think we can change the way we play just to suit one specific player. I think if he was to stay mm. as a secondary choice, someone to be on the bench, and you know when needed we can use him then I probably wouldn't be against it but as a start I don't think it's really for me and then obviously you've got Lewis Page as well who played I think three games towards the last end of the season had his injury issues but yeah he's had a lot of injuries over the last few years um, I mean I thought when he was at Coventry and this is going back um, possibly seven eight years now I thought he had a bit of potential and looked like quite a progressive left back and then he had a stint at Exeter but um yeah, I think he's had a lot of injuries, so you wouldn't really want to... You've got one left-back who's a little bit um, unreliable or inconsistent in terms of performances, and then you've got probably got another in Lewis Page who you don't know if you're going to rely on him in terms of fitness. So I think having someone like a Scott Malone who's going to be consistent over the full season and has a good chance of staying fit, I think that could be really important. Yeah, I think Page is obviously part of the release list, but then again, that doesn't... Always mean they're fully out of the door, so to speak. Obviously, we, all Jewish fans will know that in the summer, Robin McKenzie, of course, was on the release list. He didn't want to sign a new contract. And then on deadline day, he rocked back up again and was one of our integral parts of our season. So you never really know in the end. But um, 
Yeah, I think in terms in terms of Scott Malone, um, Gab, what what sort of rating should we give that out of ten in terms of likelihood? I think I'd go over a six. Oh, I'd probably go higher than a six. I'd probably um oh sorry, in terms of likelihood it rather than in terms of um yeah, I would say um what I, th- I think it's probably the sort of signing... I think Gillingham are going to make some signings that you may be not expecting them to make because of um, the Gallinsons. You know, t- um, Dieng was probably a signing that I wasn't expecting Gillingham to pull off considering he was player of the year for Exeter. So, short answer. Yeah, I'll probably go along with you for a six. I think I think that's the thing, really. I think we're still sort of acclimatising to the, the knowing that we are shopping in a different market now because we see some of the players that... People are bringing up, and you know, you still have that thought in the back of your mind. Well, they'd never come here because you're sort of stuck in the position we were in last year. You sort of have to get used to the idea that we actually are a lot more financially well off now compared to where we were before, and that these sort of rumours may not be the most, you know, outrageous thing to think about as they were last season. But uh, Gab, yeah, let's let's go for your your first pick of the, of the space tonight. Um, I like the idea of Curtis Thompson from Wickham Wanderers. Um, he's a really physical, tenacious midfielder. He's, uh, for me, I would call him a mentality monster. He's just relentless at times. Um, I think that he's been part of an excellent culture at Wickham Wanderers. He's played in a team that sort of likes direct football, a little bit like Neil Harris. Um, brilliant character. Um, the only question mark with Curtis Thompson would be fitness. But if Gillingham... Um, are a uh, sort of if Gillingham make most of their signings with players who have got a pretty reliable fitness record, you can probably afford to take up, take the risk with one or two. And Curtis Thompson, I think, um, is certainly a mid-table League One midfielder in terms of what he can deliver. Um, Gareth Ainsworth absolutely loves him, so I think that shows you, um, yeah, how how good he can be. And certainly at League Two level, uh, I think he could make a real difference to a Neil Harris side. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that would be one I'd go for. As a Curtis Thompson, obviously, has been at Wickham for quite a long time now. Since twenty eighteen nineteen was his first season there. Um, in that time, thirty nine appearances in that year, twenty four the following, twenty eight after that, but only six in the in the last campaign, which is where the uh, the injury issues become a bit of a concern because it's quite a drop off in terms of performances, isn't it? In terms of uh, games played, I mean. Yeah, it is a bit of a drop off, but I'm just thinking maybe if you can give him a a, a good season, um, I think that there's a chance that it could be worth that risk. Yeah, certainly, like you say, we to be looking at players who are, you know, like you said, a steady, stable League One mid-table midfielder to bring into this division. I think it'd be a, a big coup for us, regardless. It might be a bit of a risk on the injury front, but then again, if you're getting your business done early and you can get everyone in. Or the most part of what you want in by the pre-season schedule starting, and as a good opportunity to get everyone up to pace and, and make sure they're they're at a level where they can you know, get the fitness back up and start the season strong. And I think that's what Neil's going to be trying to do. Obviously, there's other teams who have made two or three signings already. I know Doncaster made a few yesterday, and uh, we've only got the one so far. But it was a good one to get. And I think Neil was mentioned in his interview recently that it was on, on iFollow that we've been having conversations with players, with agents at the stadium, things like that. As soon as, you know, city season starts as it is over the window, a lot of things happen. And I think we'll start seeing some wheels in motion as soon as we, we clock over to June. But Curtis Thompson definitely was in, was in my uh, my original list of targets that I put on the uh, page around a month or so. And I think he's, he's, he's a good option to have, should we be able to keep him fit. Um, 
Gabe, I don't want to, I don't want to nick this one from you. So I think we'll we'll, we'll call this one a joint one, like we were discussing um, in DMs earlier. And um, yeah. that is, um, you know, when we I think people will get what I'm saying when I introduce this. When we talk about Pete players that we would didn't think we'd be able to ever have or have again, if that's sort of a hint, due to the financial situation we are. A certain name popped up on the release list from a uh, Birmingham City. I think you're a fan of Birmingham, aren't you, Gabe? So you'll be yeah, uh, yeah, helpful for this as well. And obviously, I'm a fan of Jules, so we've both seen him play. Um, yeah, that is, of course, Jordan Graham, who was an exceptional player for Jules during, unfortunately, the COVID season, which is probably the biggest disappointment with Jordan, not because it's his fault or anything, but just because of the point that we obviously couldn't go and watch him live due to the circumstances and whatnot. But, yeah, released from Birmingham today. I understand he's been playing right wing back quite a few times for, for, for Birmingham, which is not where we've seen him play. We saw him in that dynamic front line of... Himself for Dane Oliver, Kyle Dempsey, players like that. Technical ability was superb. He had great players around him and uh, Steve Evans, who brought him in uh, permanently in the um, summer of uh, 2021, I want to say. Well, obviously, we I thought finished. he brought him in earlier than that, actually. We, um, we, had him, we had him on loan in the January the season before and then he signed permanently in the summer, I ah, believe. Right. Because... Um, yeah, I remember he, he signed in the January of the season when it got cut off. Um, and I think it was must have been March or April. Yeah, time. so that was did... twenty twenty. And then yeah. did you maybe sign him permanently the, the in that summer? Ago? Yeah, yeah, he signed permanently that summer, and that was the year we finished. I think tenth, few places outside the playoffs, whatever else. And uh, yeah, he was a, he was a brilliant player for Jules. I think the most Jules fans, if they were offered it, would would certainly have him back. I think he's someone who would be with fully fit, which I think he could be one of, if not the best player in this division. I'd go as far as to say that. Obviously, you've got your experiences of uh, having him at Birmingham and watching him. So, what, what do you think in terms of Jordan Graham? I know you put out a tweet earlier saying, whatever day, saying that it's not the most unrealistic option for Jules. Yeah, well, I think um, I think you alluded to it earlier. I think that there's we've kind of got to expect the unexpected with Gillingham a little bit. And there's going to be two or three signings, I would say, that you look at and you're like, what? How have they pulled that one off? Just because they are shopping in a different market. And I think for certain players who are out of favour in the championship that maybe have... Um, Certain routes in the uh, in the southeast, or you know, might have a geographical preference. I think Gillingham do come into the market for those kind of signings because if you look at it, there's going to be clubs in League One that might be interested in that player that might not be able to pay the same wages that Gillingham can pay with the external uh, investment. So I think Gillingham have got a chance of landing this sort of signing. Uh, I think the fact Jordan Graham has played for uh, for Gills before and enjoyed himself there, um, I think that's a factor. I think the fact that he's out of favourite blues, he's not really played much for us, uh, certainly not in the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, I think he's a really, obviously, as you know, he's a really direct winger. Uh, I think he'll probably see himself as a winger rather than as a wing-back. Neil Harris does seem to like wingers. He had Jed Wallace um, at uh, Millwall. I think um, Jordan Graves is a similar type of player. So, for me, I think that's one that, you know, I'm not going to say it's likely, but I think it's, uh, I don't think it's unrealistic. Yeah, we spoke to Harris at the uh, Player of the Year Awards and he was very keen on the point of uh, bringing wingers. He said we only really had one and that was Alex McDonald who I don't personally think is really a winger and plus he might well be out the door anyway by that time. And obviously last season what we had was Jordan Green who was a calamity. Kiwi Dedekun who didn't set the world alight was a very disappointing signing. So I think we've been missing that dynamic, tricky winger who can actually go out and play for quite a while now. And I think Jordan obviously 
grass over quite a while. George is probably the last one to, to fill that void. But uh, on him, in, in terms of his, his time at Birmingham, as I mentioned earlier, he played for a mock team right wing back a few times. How did he adjust to that? Because we've never, we've never seen him play in that position for us personally. Yeah, he was okay, but he was only ever really back up for us because. A, I don't think he saw it as his natural position anyway. And B, he was behind um, a lad called Maxime Collan, who's a bit of a stalwart for us. And he's probably been one of our more consistent players over the last six years. So it was probably going to be difficult for Graham to uh, make his way into the team. And I think injury issues probably didn't help him at Blues either. So I think it was probably a difficult... um, yeah, difficult synth for him, really. And I think he'd be quite glad to have the opportunity to maybe go back to a lower level, maybe a level that he's a bit more um, um, going to be a bit of a bigger fish in a smaller pond, if that makes sense, in a natural position. I think he, he might welcome that opportunity. I'm not, in, I'm not in his mindset, of course, but I'd like to think that maybe, given his time here, he missed out on playoffs in the league one by a few points. He didn't get to play in front of the fans. Maybe he's, he's looking at us in terms of maybe there is a bit of unfinished business there. Yeah, we'll see. Certainly hope so. Uh, Gabe, uh, out of 10 in terms of likelihood, I'm going to be a bit more optimistic on this one just because of the former roots and everything. I'm going to bump this one up to a, a 6.5 for Jordan Graham. Interesting. I'd probably go to... Um, I'd probably stick with a 6, actually. Yeah, we'll wait and see on Jordan, but it would be a huge coup to... Uh, to get him involved uh, for Neil Harris's plans next season, uh, Gabe, what's your, your second choice, or should we do the should we do the second joint one that we uh, we agreed on before? Um, yeah, what was the other one? Um, sorry, Max Clark, I believe. Max Clark, yeah, he's a. Um, I mean, I've heard that he's um, could be going back going back to Doncaster, which uh, or to Doncaster, uh, which would probably make sense because he's a whole lad, I think, or he's certainly played came through Hull Academy maybe so or certainly played so um I don't know whether that one is gonna happen. Um but I think that if um yeah if if you can pull off a signing like Max Clark, I think what you'd get is a really solid, steady, consistent league two left back, someone that um Played a, played a part in Stevenage getting promoted. He probably wasn't the first choice for them in the first half of the season because they had um, a lad called Saxi, Saxon early on loan from Norwich in the first half of the season. And then oh, he, early, ended, he ended the season at Plymouth, didn't he? Correct, yes. So uh, Max, they didn't start well. They did loan in a left back, but that was Josh Reed who didn't quite prove himself up to, to be up to the level. So Max Clark started all the second half of the season. He kind of grew with confidence as the season went on. Um, yeah, I think he's a really intelligent left back. I think he's uh, very solid defensively. I think he can make some good attacking runs off the ball and can put in the odd decent cross. So I think he's a pretty, you know, a pretty consistent seven out of ten league two left back. Um, maybe Stephen didn't feel he could quite make the step up to League One, which would be the one sort of concern considering Gillingham's um, broader ambitions. But um, I think if you were able to pull it off, that'd be a good signing. Um, but I think there's a possibility you could be over to uh, off to Doncaster, which might be close to home. Yeah, for, for argument's sake, we'll pretend is is the Doncaster things doesn't exist, and we'll talk about it from just a straight on viewpoint. I think when when you, when you have someone who's been and done what you want to achieve this year, the year before, I think that's a good indication of the sort of character and play you want in there. We all know from our time having Evans, he does like to 
chop and change things about after a season. You know, there's wholesale changes in terms of release lists, etc. with us. And I, don't, I saw they lost Jake Reeves yesterday. I'm not sure if he was offered a contract or whether he just was released I by the club. I think he wanted to go back to London or something along those lines. Yeah, obviously signed for Wimbledon yesterday. Um, but mm. um, yeah, Max Clark, I think what you need in League 2 is you need dependable players to go for a consistent run to get to where you want to be. Same with any division, really. When... Um, this is going back a long time now, but it's the last thing we can relate it to. Um, when Jules won the league title in 2012-13, the crux of the squad was already there, but we brought in those extra experienced head players who have been there and done it. You know, the Adam Barrett's, Stuart Nelson's, Charlie Lee's, Welt Dale's, Dion Burton's, etc. You could go on. Players who have got and achieved lots of great honours and promotions, etc. in years before joining us. And I think that's a good steady base to have. And then to add those players with that experience to it is... You know, paramount to building a winning mentality and having players who know how to do it. And obviously, Max Clark would fall into that category, having done it this year, just gone. So, I think if we can look at bringing players in who have that sort of experience alongside a lot of young talent as well, who can build their way up. Obviously, we're seeing that at the minute with like so Dom Jeffries in particular, one young player of the year this year for us, and has been solid, especially throughout the second half of the season. Then I think we're going to be in a in a good spot to get that mix right, and I think Max Clark would be a would be a decent option for that. And <clears throat> yeah, I think I, I would have said a seven, but given you, you mentioned the Doncaster things, I think it's only fair I put it down to probably a five. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd um, I'd go to a four probably. Oh, you're kidding me! Um, <laughs> <laughs> on the subjects of youth, I'll move on to my next pick and that is centre midfielder formerly now of Cholton Athletic played 100 games for the Addicts including some in the Championship as well a League One promotion at Wembley under his belt as well of course and that is Medway based player actually uh, Albie Morgan someone who's actually mm. based five minutes on my house so I see him quite often enough but when he's <laughs> back from Dubai maybe I'll try and pull some strings but um, you've got good knowledge if you can spot Albie Morgan yeah he's. Uh, I went to school with him <laughs> oh right okay oh cool yeah, we, we our careers unfortunately went on somewhat different paths, but there you go. Um, <laughs> he's he's only just making working his way back up now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to watch Abby quite a lot when he was uh, before he was getting in the Charlton thing consistently. I watched him when he was on loan at Ebbsfleet in I think they were the National League at that time. They're a bit of a yo-yo oh. club between the National League and National League South, but I think it was the National League at that time when he was there. Um, yeah, 100 appearances at the age of just 23. As I mentioned, a lot of them in a championship as well during Cheltenham's season. And there not long ago after their promotion at Wembley against Sunderland, obviously is very local. So there's no issues there. More more local to us than he would have been for Cheltenham, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, I think, there's, I think there's definitely a player there. I think at the age of 23, you don't play 100 plus games in League One championship level for no reason if you haven't got any ability. I think... I've seen some of their fans when the release this came out. It was a bit of a 50-50 split, I think, between some being thinking he wasn't good enough for the level and that they're fine to let him go. And then some others thinking that he deserved more of a chance. And, you know, he's still got time in his young age to build up and get to where he wants to be. I think at this point in his career, when he's still young, I think a drop down the division to a team that are going to be hopefully pushing towards the top end of the table, I think is a, is a solid route for him. And I think there there is a good player there. And obviously, as I mentioned with his age as well, there's a lot of room to develop. And obviously, he, he comes in, you know, even at his age at 23, you mentioned lots of Dom Jeffries, he comes in with more experience than players like that at still such a young age. So I think he'd be a very, I think I'll put him down as a very sensible signing, very technical midfield player, can attack and defend, a bit of a box-to-box sort of midfielder, big engine. I think 
Yeah, I think I think you'd go in the sensible category for me in terms of potential target. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, I think it gives you some formational flexibility because I reckon he could probably play um, central midfield in a four four two or out wide if you wanted to do it. Him to do a kind of James Milner type role on the you know tucking in from from wide midfield could probably play in a diamond a little bit like um, a sort of uh, Alex McDonald. You know, not not dissimilar stylistically, um, and uh, he's obviously you know willing to put a foot in as well. Um, so yeah, I, I could certainly see the could, could see the sense behind that one. Yeah, he does. He does pick up quite a few yellows. I tend to notice, but um, you need that tenacity even at a young age, and I think it helps as well having players. You know, we, we do have some players with vast experience in that dressing room now. I think the go-to would be, especially given the position as well, would be Sean Williams, who can help aid him when he needs to. Having someone with that sort of football in mind, having the experience he has both at both club and international level with Ireland as well, is going to be a good player to have alongside him to sort of help him along his way as well. But uh, yeah, I think this is, might be my highest rating. I think in terms of probability, free agent, very local to the area, one step down to a team who's going to be ambitious next year in terms of getting out of the league, I think makes sense. So I think I'll, put, I'll be at an eight. Yeah, I, I think that's, um, that's fair. I'd probably go for a seven. Uh, I think we've got a reasonable chance of making that kind of signing. Okay, Gabe, who's next up for you? Uh, I would like to raise uh, Josh Coley. And that might, you know, you might sort of raise an eyebrow at that one because he's not got the most, um, you know, astonishing, you know, recent record in the Football League. Uh, in fact, the last two years he's been playing in the Football League, but, you know, hasn't, those have been his only two years at that level. So you might be a bit surprised at it, but he did really well in the National League with Maidenhead a couple of seasons ago. The 21-22 season with Exeter was tricky because the playoffs with Maidenhead, I think, finished very close to the start of the season. And um, I think that was an awkward one for him because, um, you know, you want a bit of a rest and you want to sort of rejuvenate yourself. So I think that made it tricky. Um, And since then, he's had um, a couple of loan spells which have been mixed. But the reason I would say Josh Coley is, firstly, he can play on either flat bank. Secondly, he's really quick, which I think Neil Harris will want uh, during a meet to our pace there squad. And the biggest reason I would say somebody like Josh Coley is because when you've got money in League Two, one of the biggest sort of traps that you can fall into sometimes is signing the 28-year-old that's won two promotions from this level before and played a few years in League One because, yeah, that's the obvious signing for, for that position. But sometimes if you make too many of those signings, what you lose is on is a bit of pace, a bit of energy, a bit of exuberance, someone with a heart to prove themselves. And for me, I think it's really important that Gilligan strike that balance this summer because you want to add quality to the squad. That's really important. But I also think you need to sort of freshen things up and bringing a different energy into the squad. And I think somebody like Josh Coley, with a full preseason, um, is capable of doing that. So he'd be a bit of a, a bit of a left field. Uh, yeah, certainly, like I was mentioning earlier, with Neil Harris and his new found obsession with wingers, which we need, it would be good to have a good few options on on either flank. Obviously, as I mentioned, the ones we had last year didn't turn out to be having the desired effects. So I think someone like Josh Coley, although he's not had the most performances in recent years due to potential injury issues and things like that. As you mentioned, Gabe, he had a good spell at Maidenhead in the National League. I think he's someone where, still at a young age, there's there's room for improvement and there's room to 
build up a player. And that, I think Neil Harris is very keen on, on doing that with some younger players as well that he already has. He's working hard to get the younger players we have a better platform and to get them involved in the squad. You know, we saw Josh Chambers come back into the team for the last game against um, Salford after being on loan at Worthing in the how, how is South. He's all right, yeah. He, he's he's played a few times before. I think he actually played a couple of games under Evans when he was, it must have been about 16 or something like that. And, and then we started at the Stadium of Light in a game that we drew 2-2. So that's a bit of a baptism of fire, if you like, I suppose, with someone his age. But I think he's somebody who has a lot of potential, Josh. I think everyone in the <clears throat> in the club rates him very highly. I think he's more probable that he'll go back out on loan next year. But I'm hoping if that does happen, he does take the step up in terms of a loan. I'm not actually... I don't think Worthing won their playoffs. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they didn't. Um, I think they might have lost to Oxford City, perhaps. Um, but I'd like to think that Josh can be someone who goes out on loan to a National League side and earn this trade there. The most obvious one would probably be Ebsfleet, just because of the local connection we have for them. And I think it's going to make a lot of sense. And Ebsfleet is a bit of a safe haven for former Jules players. There's a lot of former Jules players at Ebsfleet at the minute. You know, Lee Martin, Joe Martin, uh, Greg Cundall, there's a lot more. I think Stuart O'Keefe will be added to that list in soon time. But uh, yeah, Josh is someone that I think has a lot of potential and we'll see from him next year. But um, in terms of Coley, I think he's a good option to have. Um, obviously, there's a lot of times that we can move forward, like you said, with, with older players and try and just hope that the experience gets us over the line. But you're right in the sense that we do need that good balance between young and old to quite a competitive and, and, and complex squad going into next season. So I think he would be a good option for us to have, although I'm going to sort of contradict myself in a minute with my next pick. But in terms of uh, Josh, uh, Josh Coley, I think I'd, I think I'd go with a, a solid six on that one. Yeah, I think if you wanted him, I'd probably go to an eight. But in terms of likelihood, I don't know whether he's going to be the type of player that Gillingham are after. So on that basis, I'd probably go more towards a four. So I, I'll, I'll sort of, Average them out and, and say a six. I'll we'll take a six. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for an, another somewhat older player just to contradict what I've been saying. But um, yeah, that is we've released Oxford striker and our 33 year old Matty Taylor. Um, there's two reasons for this. One, if he plays for us, it means he can't score against us like he does every time he plays us. And um, <laughs> uh, I think he, he must have more goals against us than I think anyone else in the last few years. Every time. You know, it doesn't help that we gave Oxford seven a couple of years ago, so he helped himself to a few that day, of course. And I think in the reverse fixture that season earlier on, I think he scored twice in a 3-0 win at the Kassam for them. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to get that out of the way. Um, yeah, I think Matty Taylor, he comes with a plethora of experiences, a proven goal scorer at a level above in the last couple of seasons. Not his most prolific year last year for Oxford. Obviously, he ended up on, on loan at Port Vale for the remainder of the season as well. I think 14 or so appearances for them. But I think in terms of a dependable striker at this level. I think if you look for one that's been released and been consistent at the level above, I think Matty Taylor would be someone who could come in and stamp his authority on the team. I think he'd score goals. And obviously when you mention the likes of Jordan Graham, you know, not that we know it's going to happen or anything like that, but purely hypothetical. If you have players of, of that calibre on either side who can help with deliveries, I think it will not only help players like Ollie Hawkins who needs those sort of dead ball deliveries and good deliveries from the wing to get his massive head on it. Um, I think we could be helped a lot by someone like Matty Taylor, someone who knows where the goal is. He certainly knows where it is at Prefield. He's used it enough. And um, yeah, I think he'd be someone that, even at his age, would, would be a good sign of intent for this level. And I think he's someone who would score goals for us. 
Yeah, so when Neil Harris was at Millwall, um, what he had was a veteran target man in Steve Morrison, who is like an old war horse you've probably faced him uh, a few times. Uh, he had a sort of... Um, a kind of really hard-working uh, back-post poacher in sort of Lee Gregory, who kind of pressed really well, um, you know, reasonably old, you know, similar profile, I would say, to Matty Taylor. And then he had a sort of raw, physical, um, willing runner, you know, quite quick, well, very quick at the time, in Tom Elliott, who came off the bench a couple of times. So he started with Morrison and Gregory and then often brought uh, Elliot off the bench and then he sort of had the pace to, to really impact games. Uh, and that sort, of, um, that sort of array of strikers got Millwall uh, pretty close to the playoffs on a bottom six budget in the championship in 1718. And I do wonder if Neil Harris is going to look at um, a similar model. I don't think he'll have more than three strikers on his books because I get the impression, perhaps you can correct me, Owen, but I get the impression he'll he'll also want to use a 4-2-3-1 at times and play with a number 10. Um, so I think he'll probably have... Yeah, that's what, I would, that's what we were doing towards the back end of the season when we were using Nichols more of a in a backwards role, if you like, and Hawkins wasn't really getting in the starting eleven because we preferred to go with that four-two-three-one sort of formation. It was a bit narrow at times because obviously we didn't have the natural wingers that we would have liked. But I think Neil has shown that he's capable of mixing things up. I forget who we even have on the, on the striker books at the minute. I think we'd have Nichols, Hawkins, uh, Joe Gabode, who's a youth player, who may well just go back into the development side anyway or go on loan. I don't think he'll be around the first team. And uh, Lewis Walker, the other one who. Unfortunately, I do expect probably will go out on loan. I think maybe he's was in and around the team quite a lot in the first half of last season, obviously, because more needs must, I suppose, than anything else in terms of what we had available. And mm. he obviously suffered a bad knee injury in a um, cup game against Dagenham. I think it was the pitch was almost frozen. It was a replay in January. I think he caught one right on the knee. And obviously, he hasn't been seen since. Although I think he is back fit near enough full fitness now anyway but I think the season just ended at the wrong time for him but yeah I think we'll probably be moving him on either on loan or perhaps permanently and I think Joe Bode will go on loan um, Aidan O'Brien obviously has gone back to Shrewsbury um, he's one that isn't on my list because you know he's been 50 50 with Jules fans some want to keep him because of the Harris factor and that we've perhaps not seen him fully fit but my main reservation is I don't think we can bring players in who, you know, firstly, I don't think Aiden was particularly impressive for us, really. I think he did okay, but I don't think he really set the world alight. And two, he's had two injuries in that time since, he been here, since he's been here. And I just don't think he's, he's someone who I think we can really rely on for a whole season to go through. Yeah. Uh, could, I'll, ju I'll just make one point about Aiden O'Brien, just to offer some balance to what you've said, because I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But I was chatting to a Millwall fan a few years ago and uh, I asked him about Aidan O'Brien. And the first thing he said to me was he's a Premier League level finisher. Um, and that really surprised me at the time. So I think there's a finisher in Aidan O'Brien. But even under Neil Harris at Millwall, he didn't really play up top much because Aidan O'Brien doesn't press in the way Steve Morrison did and the way Lee Gregory did, even though Gregory probably wasn't as good a finisher as um 
uh, as, as AAB. Um, I think what, just let, to bring it back to Matty Taylor, I think what you get is someone who, do, who can score those he- stooping headers at the back post. He's a, he's a bit of a, he's got some poaching instincts, but he's also a really hard working forward as well. So I think he'd fit in quite nicely. So I would expect probably Ollie Hawkins to play a bit of a Steve Morrison type role. Um, I think Nichols, you've obviously got as the number 10 option if you want to play 4 2 3 1. And um, you've got Matty Taylor to maybe play a bit of a Lee Gregory mould role if if you brought him in. So I think if you brought in Matty Taylor, I think you'd maybe bring in one other forward who can play a bit of a, who can offer a bit of pace, a different dimension, maybe someone to bring off the bench or bring in for midweek games where you need to rotate things. So that's the way I think Neil Harris might go with it. Yeah, I need to remember as well, I need to remind myself of this quite a few times when I'm looking at striker targets. I need to remember just how well Tom Nichols actually did when he yeah. arrived in January. He's had a, you know, given his quarterly record as well, I think he was in the top 10 for goal contributions this season in the league. He, what, what could you go with the diamond, Owen? Is that one option for next season? I don't know, because I think it could be, but then I think Harris, I think his mind sort of seems set on using wingers this year. And I think if Maka does go, that then takes the pressure off to use a diamond per se, because I think he's used more in a narrow diamond Maka. And I, I, again, if he goes, I'm, I'm not overly. Oh, Alby Morgan. Alby Morgan, I think, would fit into a diamond, though. Yeah, and then we've got Tim Dieng, Sean Williams, of course. You know, mentioned about Nichols playing number ten. We've also got George Lapsley there as well. So, see, see, I quite options. like the idea of. Um, because Lapsley, I reckon, could play wide. He could play in the... Because you, you've got Dieng, who's absolutely full of running. You've got... Um, who was the guy we were talking about at Charlton? Um, RB Morgan, who's full of running. And you've got um, uh, George Lapsley, who's full of running. So all of those two players, you could have either of those two um, as sort of wide players in the diamond. Then you could have maybe Sean Williams at the base and then Tom Nichols at the tip. And then you could have... Ollie Hawkins and Matty Taylor up top. I think that could be quite nice, you know. It would, but then we've got Dom Jeffries as well. We've got a lot. Like, yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of midfielders. <clears throat> yeah, but a lot of good options as well. But although on, on, on Sean, I do think it's probably going to be a case of, I think he'll play games next year, but I think we'll sort of see as the season progresses in playing a bit less and less here and there because I think there is, you know, as good as he's been for us second half of last season, you've got to remember he's a defensive midfielder going up and down the pitch a lot of the time who's, I think 37 years old now so there does come a point where you might have to limit his body limits himself from playing as much as he'd like to but well, well does he fit into a clap because um just to bring it back to the diamond thing that i mentioned if you have uh two uh heavy runnings whether that's two of morgan lapsley um dieng and jeffries as two of the sort of wide players in the diamond it actually doesn't, you know, Sean Williams wouldn't have to do as much running. Whereas I think if you play him in a 4-4-2 with a classic winger like a, I don't know, Josh Coley type, then you've got a lot of ground for him to cover. And that's where you might actually come and stuck a little bit. So I think that's worth considering as well. Yeah, I, I'm glad Sean's staying there. I think he's a good player to have. And I think whatever he plays next season in terms of minutes, I think he'll make a big difference in terms of his... Leadership and his, his on-the-ball ability as well, because obviously the start of last season, we were, I think when we did this chat last time, I probably said to you that Sean Williams was terrible. Now I'm saying he's brilliant, such as the turnaround <laughs> of, uh, of the last few months. Ne- and, next, uh, time, next time I'm on spaces with you, you'll be saying he's terrible again. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope not. I like Sean. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Matty Taylor, I think, will 
we'll put down as a, I think a seven. I think obviously being released from the level above, mm. Oxford obviously didn't have the best season themselves, did they? I think they narrowly avoided the uh, the relegation zone, which for a team like them isn't isn't a good reflection of their season at all. So I think a drop down to League Two may well be a, a good possibility. So I think I'll put him at a seven. Sure, that makes sense. So I'll, I'll go with you on that. Okay, who's uh, your next one, Gabe? Who's my next one? Do you know I haven't got my list prepared? Let me go to uh, let me go to that. Uh, um, I've got wretched down here. Ah, yes. Um, I'm going to put forward. Um, well, you know, I did have Michael Morrison and John Guthrie uh, in the mix, but I'm sort of I probably have the likelihood on those two quite low because Michael Morrison's uh, contracted to Cambridge and John Guthrie is to Northampton. The only reason I've even got them on the list is just because um, a I think Gillingham might need another sort of marquee centre back, and b I think there's an outside chance that they might be willing to pay a transfer fee to get an experienced centre-back and whether Cambridge or Northampton would be in a position where they're willing to accept some sort of uh, six-figure offer for someone at that stage of their careers. Maybe. I think there's an outside chance. But do you know what? I think I will leave that there and go to my next one, which is Jay Minji, who um, I know Danny Cowley, when he was Portsmouth manager, described Jay Minji as uh, an anorak... No, let me get this right. An anaerobic beast which I've never heard described about a player before. So um, that's one I'll throw over to you, to me, uh, to you, um, Jay Minji, central midfielder. Yeah, I did a bit of research on him when uh, you mentioned his name uh, the other day. 17 appearances in this past season for Portsmouth, three the season before. Obviously, another one who's had a still at Maidenhead in the National League, 21, 22, eight matches. Uh, in that time, as a young midfielder, looks a bit dynamic, someone who can... Add to that uh, ever-growing midfield we seem to have at the minute. Um, we can create a second team with that. And um, yeah, I think he's someone where we want to obviously talk about balance of, balance of the youth and uh, the experience we're bringing in. I think Jay is someone that I bet I don't know too much about, but he's got ear for experience at a higher level at a good club as well. And I think he's, he's someone who, with a look to the future, could be another good addition. Yeah, I, I don't see why we couldn't look at him and try and move it a bit forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, th- there's um, a few loan suggestions that I'd throw to you now. A couple from Norwich, which is uh, Tony Springett, who's a winger or forward, versatile forward, who's on loan at Derby last season. Um, didn't quite get the games he wanted due to the options that they've got there. But uh, if they want to send him somewhere that he's likely to or has a better chance of getting first team football, uh, I think that could be an option, whether there's a chance of him playing in a front two as well, um, especially if you were to, play, to use a diamond. Um, I think Tony Springett could be yeah, could be an option. Yeah, we do have quite a good rapport with Norwich in terms of loan signings in the past few years. Um Dan Ashed, Adshed, I think his name was, uh, came from mm. Norwich on loan. Uh, Tom Dixon Peters came from Norwich on loan. Didn't have didn't, did, didn't quite cut it, it, did he? No, not quite. I don't. Not like I've, I'm not really checked, but it doesn't seem like it was much more fruitful for him at uh, Grinsby in the second half of the season. But mm. that's not for me to say. Obviously, not been an analysing his performances in Grinsby, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think he's is someone. When we talk about loan markets, when we talk about players you've got a uh, uh, clubs rather you've got a good rapport with, I think Norwich would probably be one of them in that category. It used to be teams like QPR back in a few years ago. We used to quite get quite a few um, loan players off, and we'd uh, use them as sort of a feeder club or, and uh, try and build their players up. But I think in terms of 
you know, to bring it, he's, um, do you know how many games he, he managed for Derby last year? Oh, I feel like he might have come off the bench a bit, but they had um, Tom Barkhausen and Lewis Dobbin and players like that who were probably at a different sort of stage of their trajectory. So it was probably quite difficult for him to get too many starts. But I know Paul Warren um, gave him some pretty positive references in terms of uh, as a character. So, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like he'd be um, quite a good signing. And I've, I've also got another one in mind from Norwich called um, Jonathan Tomkinson, who's another quick, strong, uh, young ball-playing defender. So uh, didn't quite get the number of starts he was hoping for at Stevenage, but maybe with a full pre-season, I think he could do something. Yeah, obviously it is important for us to look into the line market as well, because that's where a lot of the uh, the magic happens, if you like. Some of the best players, you know, Jordan Graham was initially alone, for example. Um, yeah, I think in terms of you know, getting that balance like we were saying earlier between experience and youth. Loan's obviously a good way to look for that. I think there's a lot of players out there that some you might not even notice who turn out to be gems. You know, I remember someone said to me, I think Ian, Ian Holloway said to me once uh, a few years ago, it would have been, oh, well, yeah, it would have been our first year under Evans. I remember because Norwich got promoted the year before and he said to me, it always makes me think when I think of uh, options in terms of transfers. He was like, um, you never know who the right player is until the end of the season because I think that was Timmy Pookie's first year at Norwich where he had all those records and whatever. And he said, he said, it doesn't matter if you realise if you know who they are or not because not one pundit mentioned Timmy Pookie last year. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Um, I think sometimes, though, it makes a difference if you do some due diligence on the player because, you know, in Timmy Pookie's case, I think... Um, he was playing in um, for Celtic. Was he playing for Celtic under Neil Lennon, I think? And Neil Lennon's obviously not the kind of coach that's going to get the best out of someone like Timo Puki. So I think context can be uh, can be really important. We head on to our, our final two then before we uh, wrap it up for the evening. Um, I'm torn between which one to go for here. I've got a centre back and I've got a winger, and I don't really know which one I want to go for. Uh, so I'll, do, I'll do both, but we'll go for them quick time. Uh, so the winger is a uh, man released from MK Dons, formerly of uh, Blackpool and Crystal Palace, local to the area in terms of uh, where he's born, and that is Sonny Kai Kai, someone who I was quite surprised actually got released um, from MK Dons, considering they've dropped down a division. I think he's someone who's a, a very technical winger, very pacing winger, knows how to take on a man, got experience at a higher level. I remember his season, um, it would have been the year we had Graham, where we missed out on the playoffs, finishing 10th for... In the COVID year, I remember him having a really fruitful season uh, with Blackpool that year. And I think, obviously, it's not worked out for him at MK Dons. They've gone down. But I think in terms of location, I think in terms of pedigree, I think Sonny Kaikai would be someone that I'd, I'd certainly want to be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And he's someone who can um, play, could probably play uh, wide in a four-man midfield. He could play wide in a front three. Um I think he's going to be quite versatile as well. I think certainly ability-wise, he's probably looking at about League One level, certainly capable of moments of individual quality. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great shot. Yeah, it's interesting you say League One level, because that's why it surprised me a bit when I saw him on the release list for for MK. Um, Yeah, because then they've dropped down a division. I thought he would have been someone they'd want to keep around, but obviously that's uh, not proved to be the case. And, my second one to round off my picks for tonight is a centre-back. Um, obviously, if anyone saw my list I did, I put him at Charlton wrongly instead of it should have been Cheltenham, obviously. But uh, that is uh, Charlie Raglan. I know someone that you've uh, mentioned since his release as someone who could be a bit of a coop for, for a League Two side. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is someone who played a huge part in um, in the rise Cheltenham had when they finished in, firstly in the playoffs at this level in uh, 1920 and then winning the title with an excellent watertight defence the following season. Um, so, yeah, I think Charlie Raglan would be a great addition. I think he's good on the ball for the level. I think he's... Um, a very um, strong last-ditch defender, good at the basics, even though he's not particularly tall. And um, I think really the only reason that he's not staying on at Cheltenham is probably because um, the um, the defence is one of their stronger areas. I, you know, I think they like the middle centre-back to be one of the taller ones. And then their left centre-back is they've got Lewis Freestone and... Yeah, he's had, he's had a really good season, massively improved this year for them, and uh, and they've also got Tom Bradbury, who they brought in last summer from Halifax there, and then in terms of the right centre back, Sean Long is their captain, so really they probably couldn't afford Charlie Raglan the level of game time that he probably wanted, um, but I think for League Two, I think he'd be a real coup. So yeah, definitely behind be behind that one. Yeah, I think we, we, we're quite lacking in terms of centre-half options, really, because we've got Masterson and Aimer, obviously, who have been a great partnership since the turn of the year, and they carried on where they left off from the League One season. But in terms of other players around, you're more looking at square pegs and round holes, as the saying is. We've got real right, he can play as a centre-half, but he's predominantly and naturally a, a right-back. He was one of your back players in the first half of the season, wasn't he? <laughs> I think I would have been, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Will, Will's, Will, I do like Will. I think he's got some good potential, but I think he's predominantly more right back than he is at a centre half. And yeah, I think I think Masterson is nailed on to be a starter next season. Obviously, hence why we've we've been so quick to sign him. Obviously, impressive loan spells. I think Max will start off at first choice. But I think if anyone's in more power of being um, looked at as a central replacement in terms of dropping into the bench, I think it would be Max. And I think if we can bring in someone like Charlie Raglan, who's got experience at this level, is a good young pro who can put pressure on. Uh, Max and Connor for that matter to, to push for a position I think it would be a, a good signing to have at this level and uh, yeah I'll put him at, at seven as well I'll be generous I like the idea of him cool yeah that sounds good right, Gabe we'll go with your last one and I'm going to throw one more at you just based on a DM I've just received that I didn't know about but uh, we'll go for yours first yeah so mine would be Emre Tezgel uh, on loan from Stoke City. This is a centre forward, supposed to have a really uh, good wide range of attributes, um, supposed to be someone um, on Football Manager. He's rated as um, an incredibly high potential talent. I think he's someone that Stoke are going to want to get out on loan to get some game time. And I think maybe they might want his first loan to be at a level like League Two, where he can really build some confidence. Um, Obviously, there is probably the risk that he gets recalled in January and sent out to League One, uh, depending on where Gillingham are. So, you know, we don't quite know about that. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think he could be a really exciting signing. It's very, very young, isn't he? I saw that. I uh, looking at it. He did have a... It may well have been just a cameo off the bench. But I did see he had a championship appearance or two last year as well. Yeah, he's only 17 or 18 or something, but supposed to be incredibly highly rated and some of the big... Um, big clubs in Europe are looking at him so I'd imagine he'd, he'd, he'd swap all of that to come and have a summer in Kent for sure oh absolutely you want you want to go to Priestfield mate yeah but uh, yeah before we before we head off we'll go for one final one which wasn't planned but I've just been sent a DM from someone who watched um, the announcement on uh, Ferguson's renewal at uh, Peterborough 
and uh, in that interview, sit down interview, it was revealed that um, Ben Thompson is expected to leave Posh this summer. Um, he's still under contract, obviously, and so it will require a fee. Um, interestingly, I'll, I'll say this now to everyone from the conversation I had with Neil Harris. He said that we could have got Ben Thompson last year, last summer, to come back, but he couldn't because they have such a strong friendship or connection or whatever from being together at Millwall and whatnot. He said he opted against it because he couldn't promise Ben that we'd have a successful season because of the circumstances we were written. Obviously, the first half of the season proved that to be the case. Um, so I think Ben Thompson, Neil, Neil said to us himself at the Bloody Awards, is definitely somebody he's going to be looking at. And obviously, he's now available for transfer. He's played with us uh, before in that loan spell where we narrowly uh, got dropped down to League Two on the final day. I think if he wants to move somewhere where he's got stability, where he knows the manager wants him, somewhere he's been before for only a brief stint as well, and he is obviously now available, I think this is one uh, for both parties in terms of Ben and the club, I think would work really well. Uh, I 100% agree with you, Aaron, because it's clear that Ben Thompson has a fantastic relationship with Neil Harris at Mill, um, from their time together at Millwall. Um, I've actually seen Ben Thompson pull a 10 out of 10 performance at championship level. Um, Millwall went to Birmingham in uh, 2019, I think this was now, um, when they're fighting to stay up. And Ben Thompson played just off Lee Gregory um, as uh, as sort of a... Num- well, he was kind of a number 10, but he was also dropping in a linking play. And then he was also breaking into the box and um, and causing a th- posing a threat that way. And um, he would just it was just like one of the most complete performances that you'll see. And uh, that's what he's capable of. Obviously, since I expected after that him to kick on and possibly even play in the Premier League at one point. Um, obviously, it hasn't quite panned out that way. Uh, he's been a bit affected by injuries. And then he went to your lot for the second half of the 21-22 season and was uh, fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, in the end, it wasn't quite enough to keep you up. But I think clearly there's a lot of trust there. And I think that if you're a player, I think Wade obviously comes into it and Gillingham can probably afford now to offer him a competitive salary. But I think the relationship with the manager, you want to be working with someone day in, day out that you love and trust. And um, it feels like there is a real connection there between uh, Ben Thompson and Neil Harris. So that could be a huge factor for Gillingham. Yeah, I think you certainly one we're going to have a, a good keen eye on over the coming weeks and months. Uh, but by the sounds, we're going to have a massively stacked midfield, that's for sure. Um, yeah, just before uh, we end off, I should say as a, as a note uh, to everyone, uh, we're not going to sign Bradley Dack, I'm afraid to say. Um, as much as there are a lot of optimists in the world, I think that might be a, a bit too a bit too much. Um, yeah, in terms of future podcasts over the summer, obviously when there's no games going on, obviously be no reviews and things like that, but when we make a when we make some signings, or we'll do a, an episode to to cover that and talk about it and whatnot. We do have a uh, interview planned tomorrow afternoon with uh, Mr. Andy Hessentalo, who's going to give us a twenty minute view of uh, what's going on this summer, some potential updates and things like that. So we'll bring that to you as soon as we can, and uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting discussion with Andy to see where we are in terms of targets. I'm not expecting to keep too much away, but it'll be good to get an indication of uh, where we are. But uh, yeah, this space is very much tuning in late, is being recorded, so you, you feel free to go back and uh, listen back to it and see what me and Gabe have come up with in terms of targets. Uh, but yeah, Gabe, we'll, uh, we'll meet again at the end of June, I believe, for uh, uh, I think on your channel, along with Matt, as a low-down, run-down thing, as we mm. have some more players by then. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that, and we'll uh, promo that at the time that it, um, time that it comes out, etc. But uh, Gabe, really much appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, appreciate it, Owen. And just as a final plug, you can uh, obviously drop me a follow on Twitter um, at Gabson. You can find it on here. Um, and also, uh, I have a show called EFL Debate where I talk to, as you mentioned, I've got got you on in late June. Uh, I also talk to various different fans or uh, across the EFL, um, various different managers as well. I'm speaking to uh, Mr. Steve Evans, the evening boss, on Saturday. So be sure to check that one out. So you can follow me on Twitter at Gabson. And follow the hashtag EFL debate. But uh, great to great, great to come on, Owen. Thanks for having me. And uh, speak to you soon, mate. Yeah, make sure you go and follow Gavin on socials and watch his content. He's not called the EFL expert for no reason. Uh, but yeah, good night, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and feel free to listen back and we'll catch up with you uh, as soon as we have some news, I suppose. Um, but until then, up the jewels. Good night. <laughs>